Welcome to Worldwide Wrestling of the World! Everybody, I'm Scabbard. Before we go any further into the podcast, just a quick reminder to check us out on social media at legitwww. And if you like the show, give us a rating or write a review. It really does help us out. And now let's get into the highlights from this week's episode of Monday Night Ignite. This week's Monday Night Ignite started with a pretty wild matchup between Time Tanker and Gideon Cage. Time Tanker was once again accompanied to the ring by Jilly Blanks, and as usual, we got another appearance of Gideon's manager, Karen Cage. It's certainly strange seeing this many women at the center of the WWW, but it was definitely refreshing. This match started off hot, with both wrestlers really going at it. Gideon Cage isn't the most graceful of competitors though, and Time Tanker didn't have any problem nimbly avoiding his wild swings. It was less than two minutes into the match when Karen Cage disappeared under the ring apron, clearly going to exercise her rights with the mannequin arm. Jilly Blank saw this happening and immediately ran over to where she disappeared and actually fished her out from under the ring by her leg. <gasps> The two managers immediately began going at it, and it was honestly a bit more exciting to watch than what was happening inside the ring. Before Jilly Blanks could unleash her Tybo prowess, Karen straight up tackled her to the ground and then attempted to choke out Jilly with her Pandora Charm bracelet, which was obviously way too small to be effective. Jilly kicked her off and then wasted no time attacking Karen with a series of high kicks. Back in the ring, Gideon was taking a lot of punishment from Time Tanker. Cage just kept looking out to his manager, Karen, hoping for some assistance, which just never came. He got pretty distracted when Jilly took down Karen, which gave Time Tanker an opportunity for his robot power-up, putting down Gideon Cage for good. Then Time Tanker hit him with a roll-up and got the 1-2-3. The second match of the night didn't go off that smoothly either. Berserker was set to take on Grandma Mazeballs, as retribution for Mazeballs' interrupting his match last week. Grandma Mazeballs made his way to the ring first, accompanied by his apparent new best friend, Jean Jacket. Mazeballs did not look remotely like his usual cocky self during his entrance. And instead of psyching himself up and interacting with the crowd, he just sat in his corner, seemingly resigned to his fate. And without warning, the vacuum cleaner sound turned on full blast, and Berserker came sprinting down the ramp with his barbed wire wrapped vacuum. He came full force right at Amazeballs, who did the only sensible thing and immediately left the ring. Berserker began shouting obscenities at him from within the ring and was literally foaming at the mouth. Before he could follow up on these vulgar threats though, Duke Wellington came strutting down the ramp. He stopped just short of the ring and began taunting and yelling at Berserker in an apparent attempt to show him that he truly isn't afraid of the psychotic wrestler. 
This distraction was just enough for Jean Jacket to pull his new friend Grandma Maceballs out of harm's way, and they literally just left the match through the crowd. The ref declared a DQ, awarding Berserker the win. Things normalized somewhat in the third match of the evening, a tag bout between the Time Killers and the Rancho Randos. These teams have squared off in the past, but that was the old Time Killers. Gone are the days of losing by countout, these new Time Killers are now these savage, brutally efficient attackers, apparently in some quest to restore time. The Rancho Randos are something of a WWW fixture, especially in the tag division. Unfortunately, with a 2-5 record, they aren't known for dominating the league, and this was yet another prime example of this. The Time Killers surprised the Randos with a fast-paced opening, seeing Levon Linger bum-rush Debo Sunspot at the bell rang. Apparently, the Rancho Randos didn't get the message that the Time Killers have done a 180 and are no longer killing time, but are rather on a mission to kill time travelers and all those who interfere with the space-time continuum. We honestly don't think they would have understood that anyway, but maybe they would have been slightly more prepared. The other Rancho Rando, sure enough, didn't have any better luck. Levon Linger and Terry Terry came after him hard, hitting him with a double drop kick followed by an assisted pile driver. The Time Killers then unceremoniously threw him from the ring, singling out the lone Rando, Debo Sunspot. Without his partner to help him, they were able to trap him in their brand new submission finisher, the Constricting Wormhole, forcing Sunspot to tap out. Folks, before we get into the final match of this week's Ignite, we have to do something we here at the podcast never thought we'd be doing. And that is issue a trigger warning. This match went to places we could never imagine, and it may not be suitable for our younger listeners. The main event featured crowd favorite Joey Pepperoni in singles action against his brother-in-law, Tony Baloney, in what was to be a blow-off match that will never be forgotten. Over the past couple of months, we've seen Joey Pepperoni dealing with his frustrating brother-in-law, almost visibly swallowing his anger with him. Tony Baloney's poor performance for their team, the Meat Trust, cost them a win against the Baker Boys, and Pepperoni blames his brother-in-law for his loss at the Body Bash Quest and his chance at the top title. He has apparently taken all he can of his teammate, and insisted on this match to enact his revenge. It was clear from the very beginning that Pepperoni meant serious business. First, his ring entrance has completely changed. What used to be fun, upbeat music, and a gyrating Italian man handing out deli meats morphed into something much more ominous. Pepperoni just stormed down to the ring, hauling with him an entire leg of prosciutto and a carving knife. Tony Baloney tried his usual fanfare of purling slices of bologna into the audience, but you could tell his heart just wasn't in it. His swagger was gone, and it seemed to us like he was hurting that his friendship and partnership was slipping away. He tried moving in to give Pepperoni a hug or a handshake before the match, but Joey kept his back to him the entire time. As soon as the bell rang, Joey Pepperoni turned towards his brother-in-law and hurled a fistful of oregano right into his face. It happened so quickly the ref couldn't tell what happened, but Baloney began staggering around the ring, partially blinded. It seemed that Joey Pepperoni didn't care at all about the actual match, and just wanted to inflict damage on his brother-in-law, because he took the prosciutto egg and wailed him with it right across the face. Not being able to see, Baloney made no effort to block the hit, and he went down hard. The ref immediately rang the bell, signaling a Tony Baloney win via disqualification. At this point, things get a little murky. To us, it looked like Joey was taking the enormous meat slab back to his corner when a blinded, rage-induced Tony Baloney got to his feet and stumbled after him. There was a brief scuffle on the corner, and all of a sudden Tony Baloney fell back to the center of the ring with a carving knife sticking out of his chest. 
The axe seemed to suck all the air and sound out of the arena. It went completely silent as Tony lay there, completely motionless. The EMTs on standby jumped into the ring, but you could see the look of dismay on their faces as they lifted his limp body onto the stretcher. Well folks, in this business, veterans eventually have to retire to make way for the new men and women of the ring to keep the story and the business going. We here at the podcast wanted to pull back the curtain just a little bit to let you in on the trials and tribulations of life as a WWW signee. Hey everybody, back here again with Jim Jones. Jim, welcome back to the podcast, man. I gotta say, this is the first time that I'm actually excited to see that jowl that you have at the bottom of your face. It's a pleasure. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It is Scabbard. The name is Scabbard, but I appreciate the compliment either way. Since we last talked, you did suffer that loss at the Body Bash Quest. I don't mean to bring up uh, losses here, but, you know, let's talk a little bit about the future. How are things looking nowadays? And uh, it sounds like you're, you know, you're excited uh, either way. You got a little pep in your step. Scabbard, I I cannot. Well, first, I, I cannot remember what you are really talking about in terms of, uh, you know, any sort of loss or anything. I, I, I'm looking at my inner light and it is shining so bright. I have a neophyte that is just a, a real tenderfoot. He's a beautiful boy who's really just embracing all the discipline that it takes to be the best pupil ever. You know, I feel an energy coming up from the ground that is crawling through my, my footsies and it's going up into my ankle bones, into my, my knee knobs, and I can radiate it out through my fingertips right now if I wanted to. This student of mine, he is... Oh, it is, it, it's just like searching for Bobby Fisher over here. He is just, you know, blowing me away. And you're talking about Mike Moore here. The guy. Oh, you, Mike Moore. Apologize. I apologize. I mean, that's okay. You, you sound excited. I mean, tell us about that. How's it, how's it been going? What have you been doing with Mike Moore? You know, I'm a moon out there and this is a, a smaller moon satellite that is just orbiting around my bigger moon. And it is. Oh, I cannot tell you how impressive, you know, this young schoolboy is. I'm, you know, I'm getting down in the dirt. I'm showing him and he's just embracing everything. The kid is a learner. He's a sponge for for the teachings that I have for him. So are you focused more on the mental uh, side of training here, the mentality uh, of of professional wrestling or are you talking about the, the physicality here uh, what part of the training is more excelling at we mostly do our scholastic lessons over the phone you know I, I can't really tell what he's doing on his end I'm getting very pumped very aroused physically and sexually we practice just so many learnings so many scholarly you know literary letters to each other via the phone and it's it's beautiful. I am the tutor of all tutors for this this young boy. Can you remember a moment in these uh, last few weeks here of, of your intense training with Mike Moore? Um, any particular moment that you can remember that that is uh, sticks out as a moment of pride as a teacher uh, passing on knowledge to a uh, to a student? I think I've said to you before that memory 
is an object of the past and I am firmly planted in not only the present, but also the future. And so I don't remember any of that, but there are times when I can look back in my mind vision and picture myself laying on the floor and screaming into the telephone about these different Doric modes of Greek virgilance. And I hear an acknowledgement from that beautiful boy across the telephone line that he is still there and he's still listening. I am filled with odes to joy daily, monthly, whatever time universe gods want to distill down and say that, you know, this is the amount of accepted human time that you've been working with this beautiful child, that that's what I accept. I give in to their acknowledgement of my work with him. They reaffirm and confirm that it's working. So it sounds like and maybe you can give us some insight into this. Is this the ultimate training partner in Mike Moore? Do you see this relationship going on for years and decades almost? I mean, it has the longevity of any great duo. You're Simon and Garfunkel or, uh, you know, you're Watson Gates. The boy is bookish. He's reflective. He's thoughtful. Um, I appreciate how studious and contemplative he is. If we ever really truly get our hands on one another in like a physical sense, like in person, not just over the phone, it's going to be an explosion of a great magnitude. I need you to step back just like a step or two here because I am just very excited, very excited. So Jim, does does Mike Moore, um, has he taken to the stasis chamber uh, as much as you have or is that something that is more for an advanced trainee um or is he did you get him going on that right from <laughs> no, the beginning i don't think that he's ready for that my goodness oh boy wow yeah i you know i i put a lot of faith in the boy he is just a boy still he's not ready to lay in there for 136 hours and wake up famished just clawing at any sort of living creature that's around and trying to find some sort of cooked meat and sugar drink to consume, he, he's not ready for that level of commitment. How many years does it take to get to that level? It's not about the amount of universal time that you want to commit to something like this. It's about the lived experience that you have. I have put my body through thousands of years of experiences by subjecting it to what some might view as a punishment to my face, to my brain. And I don't know if he's ready for that level of commitment. I don't feel comfortable, you know, forcing a consent on him to commit to that as well. I think it could be could be years. If he allows me to really subject him to the kind of treatment that I think a good boy like him deserves, I think I could pummel his face into just oblivion right now and I would beat the living shit out of him and he would get in that stasis chamber whether he wants to or not and that was that's what would happen to him uh, because that's what needs to happen because I cannot maintain this much longer he needs to take on my living being by climbing into the stasis chamber and eating that delicious elk heart and drinking all of the Kool-Aid once again, everybody, Jim Jones, always a good time talking with you, Jim. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to you on the next one. Skabard, look to the future, look to the stars, and there you shall find your true oneness. And so I, I thank you for, for allowing me this universal platform. Jim Jones, everybody. 
Hey guys, we always want to keep the podcast free for everybody out there. So if you're interested in sponsoring us in the future, you can visit us at www.legitwww.com or visit us on Twitter and Instagram. And now a word from our sponsors. We didn't know how we were going to make ends meet. We didn't think our lives would ever be the same again. Then whammo right into our consciousness like a yard toy from the 60s. I'm Stephen Slip. And I'm Stephanie Slide. And we're the makers of Slip and Slide Fresh Farm Lubricant. Ah, 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 honey. Right. Around these parts, we don't say lubricant, but lubricant. Our lubricant is made right here on our farm from an all-organic formula. The application of Slip and Slide Fresh Farm Lubricant is only limited by your own imagination. Put it in your small block engine, use it to grease up your skillet prior to cooking, or use it to add a little can-do attitude in the master bedroom. We stand by our lubricant, and if you're not completely satisfied, then visit our offices on Main Street for a complete refund. So what are you waiting for? Get those gears greased up and your mind ready to see what a lubricant do attitude can do for you with Slip and Slide Fresh Farm Lubricant. Ah, ah, ah. Lubricant. Now let's take a look at the developing news stories from the past week in Worldwide Wrestling of the World. In an amazing interview on this week's Ignite that Acapella scheduled prior to Lanch stealing his voice, Time Tanker showed up with some good news for the voiceless Akka. He let Akka know that Lanch didn't steal his voice for good and that his voice will be returned to him if he loses his next match. Acapella was visibly relieved by this news. Immediately after Tanker departed, the Time Killer showed up to try to take him out. They just missed him, which may point to some difficulty in catching someone who already knows what's going to happen. This week also saw the announcement of a new tag team added to the roster. After a lackluster year for both so far, Jean Jacket and Grandma Mazeballs are teaming up. They made the announcement in an interview with Soup Cam San, who seemed genuinely excited by this new team's potential. When asked about their team name, Jean suggested Jean and the Amazing Technicolor Jacket Balls, and after a little back and forth, Soup Cam Sam said, I'm just gonna call you Jacket Balls. This name quickly caught fire on social platforms, and it looks like the WWW fans have clearly decided what the team will be called. Jacket Balls. We here at the podcast could not be more thrilled with this pairing and the name choice. And now, a word from our sponsors. A previous agreement runs afoul on the next episode of When the Sun Goes Down. How could you? I was caught up in the moment. It meant nothing. We had an agreement, an understanding. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I still love you. We can go back an episode. There's no going back. I'm not even sure I want to continue on. But we're two episodes away from the season finale. Only one of us is two episodes away. Anything can happen when the sun goes down. Weekdays on MSTV. Shakalaka, 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 shaka, Mike. Shakalaka, 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 shaka, Moore. That's right, it's Mike Moore, and you're listening to the Worldwide Wrestling of the World. Like, subscribe, enjoy, rate it five stars. Heck, you might even see one of these stars in the comment uh, room. Mike Moore. So, 
This was a crazy, crazy night of Monday Night Ignite. Probably the most unexpected one that we've seen. Um, I think we all know what the, the biggest news story is, so I think we should just get right into it. Grim Amazeballs and Jean Jacket escape Berserker, but there is no appearance of the Factory Cat GTR battery-powered floor scrubber. It's great that we see a new tag team with these two wrestlers. I think they're going to see some, some great things from them, but I'm more excited to see the Factory Cat GTR battery-powered floor scrubber make its return. I'm sorry, Dr. Worm. Is that the biggest story? Yeah. Well, okay. I guess the actual news story is, is the death of Tony Baloney. We here at the podcast, obviously, we didn't care for him as a character or a person, really, but no one wants to see him actually die, especially at the hands of another wrestler. But my first question for, for Frankie Diamond is, what does this mean for Joey Pepperoni? Um, oh, my God. That's so hard to say. I mean, uh, it's obviously a tragedy. We you know, we didn't really address it in, in the news because we don't really know enough yet about what happened or... Well, he's dead. Well, I mean, we know the final outcome, but we don't know sort of like what caused it, like specifically what injuries and was it a move that went wrong or was it a, a planned thing? Or I, I don't really understand what happened fully. And I think we shouldn't speculate too much. I will say that I, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, obviously he's married and he was married to Joey Pepperoni's sister. So that's got to be fairly difficult right now for them. Yeah, I don't know. Scabbard, how do you feel about it? Well, I, I think that the fact that he had a uh, a large carving knife sticking out of his chest, I think we know the uh, the whole reason as to the cause of death. Um, but I think really maybe what you're getting at, Frankie, is the motive. Why Joey Pepperoni, you know, I mean, we, we saw him commit murder in the middle of the ring. Well, I mean, like more like, what, was it an accident? Like, was it supposed to be a prop knife and it wasn't? Was it supposed to be, you know, was he supposed to miss him or lunge? And it, did he legitimately just snap? Because he hasn't been arrested, correct? I, I mean, last I checked. I think what happens in between the ropes is fair game, is as rough as that sounds. But we've all seen Tony Baloney over the past few months here, a couple of months. I'm not saying he deserved it, but I'm just saying that regardless of, of what the, you know, was it an accident? Was Joey Pepperoni just, just seeing red and, uh, and going after his brother-in-law? Tony Baloney was a guy who is not well-liked in the wrestling world here. And uh, he kind of, again, I'm not saying anybody deserves it, but uh, it's, not, it's not that far-fetched that uh, Joey Pepperoni might have just snapped Took a slice of bologna for himself. Yes, but even in the ring, I feel like the police, even if it's somebody that's not well-liked, they would investigate the intentional murder by stabbing of anyone. Well, you know, take the perpetrator into custody, at least, right? And we haven't heard that. We haven't heard that, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. It doesn't mean the investigation isn't taking place. I don't think the police would really be contacting us at the podcast to, to keep us in the loop, necessarily. To me, personally, it seemed... Almost like a, not really self-defense, but a spur of the moment. It didn't seem premeditated is my point. Hmm. Joey Pepperoni was back in his corner and Tony Baloney kind of bum rushed him. All these things were just happening so quickly. I don't think it was, you know, it's not like Joey Pepperoni came out swinging. You know, he, he was there in his corner. Tony Baloney made a move on him. Next thing we know, we see Tony Baloney with the carving knife in his chest. I think it was just a real bad timing on, on a lot of people's parts. But we never saw Joey Pepperoni come to the aid of his brother-in-law. It just kind of happened. And I think, I don't know if it was shock. I don't know if it was a sense of accomplishment from Joey Pepperoni. There are definitely some, some muddy waters around this. Yeah, I think that's also adding to the speculation online that it's not real. That it's, this is not a real thing that happened. This was planned. And that this is part of a storyline that we have yet to see play out. I, I'm not saying that. 
for for our part. We don't know enough to comment on it. And obviously, it's it's real. I've seen some dead bodies in my time. This is it's real. Well, I mean, to be fair, Doctor Worm, you've seen some dead warm bodies, and I think that they're probably different than dead oh human no, bodies. no. I, I mean, yes. Let's move on. This is a a little morbid, even for for a worm. I want to talk about some other killers that uh, were taking place at Monday Night Ignite. I'm, I'm talking the Time Killers. We got a brand new team here with the Time Killers. They are not their old selves. Do you guys think they have what it takes to turn this terrible record they have and make a run for the titles? Will this new active Time Killers, will they last? I'm not super optimistic about that. Yes, they definitely seem to have a newfound uh, vigor. I don't know that that they're going to accomplish their stated goal of tracking down time travelers. But in terms of just wrestling a standard tag team uh, like the Rancherandos, yes, I think it's it was a very impressive showing. And I think that uh, it made me look forward to that. I worry about the, um, you know, their mission statement being something that they can actually carry out. Normally, you see someone who's not motivated and then all of a sudden take up a new thing and then it kind of fizzles out. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting that sense with the time killers. It feels like they've had enough. It feels like they're going after who they they want to go after. It feels like they're they've they've got a common um you know they've got a common enemy in time travelers. Yeah, they're definitely more fun to watch. But then again, it wouldn't take much for that to be the case before they would literally just lay there and not do anything. And so you say that they've got this common goal now. I feel like they have always had a common goal before. It was just being a loaf in the middle of the ring. Now it's going after a time traveler. No matter what happens, just seeing them in even a few matches where they're actually wrestling and moving around is a big win for me in my book. Uh, I'm happy to see it. I really do hope it lasts. I'm not sure if it will. And also I'm wondering if they should actually go about changing their names and sort of, you know, getting new characters now that they're no longer, they're no longer lingering around or tarrying around. I wonder if that's going to be a you know, a, a complete identity shift for them personally. I'm not sure what we'll what to expect from that. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see for sure. But I, I think based on the rules of time travel, it has already happened. So there's that. Yeah. Well, speaking of time travel, we had Time Tanker in the ring to this week. I guess none of us should be that surprised that he, he came away with a win. I'm sure he's not surprised. I personally think he's a much better wrestler than Gideon Cage. And of course, he's a goddamn time traveler. So he came away with a win. Maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was when I saw Karen Cage and Jilly Blanks really teeing off on the outside of the ring. Uh, This is the first action we've seen from these two. We've seen them in the ring or outside the ring, you know, accompanying people to the ring, but haven't really seen them going at it and really throwing down. For me, that almost outshined what was going on inside the ring. Could this be the start of a women's division? Hashtag why not? I mean, that, I think it's a little early to say just because there was a scuffle on the outside of the ring that we've got now a full, a full fluxed, you know, uh, women's division. However, uh, I do agree with you, Dr. Worm, that it was so much more interesting what Jilly Blanks and Karen Cage were, were doing on the outside of the ring than anything that was happening on the inside of the ring. I got to say, Jilly Blanks was highly impressive and she looked like someone who can really kick some ass and, and not in a way that's like, scrappy like someone who's like a trained fighter and yeah yeah. and so for her to you know just kind of show what she can do even if it was on the outside of the ring against karen cage who very much is not a trained fighter um she's more of a trained complainer jilly blanks was someone you can you could 
build a women's division around. And uh, I think people uh, in the crowd and, and certainly it sounds like folks here in the podcast too are noticing that this lady can go. Absolutely. She's a natural athlete. It was by far for me more entertaining than anything else that happened in the ring uh, all night. You know, more uh, gripping, probably not. We did see a man murdered, but but definitely the most entertaining match of the night for me was that sort of side match uh, between the two managers during uh, Gideon and Time Tanker's uh, showdown. So I look forward to seeing what happens next. Yeah. See, just seeing her move, she's so fluid. That's the, that tie bow. She's just, she, she knows it. She can handle it. And mm-hmm. I, I do think that this could be the start of a women's division. I think like Scabbard was saying, it needs to be built around something. And I think Jilly Blanks would be a, a great place to start. Yeah. And Karen, I mean, you know, not a trained fighter, clearly from the the style and the, the way they were sort of thrown down, but she can take a punch, which, you know, I would imagine with a face like that, she's been punched a lot. And so that makes sense. One other thing I want to touch on was a sort of a side effect of the Grandma Maceball's jean jacket match. We had to see Duke Wellington come down to the ring, which was very unexpected. Uh, he's apparently not afraid of Berserker and that's wild and unimaginable for me, but it seems to be true for him. So Frankie, what can we expect if we actually see these two lunatics clash? I can't even imagine a match between these two, but I also can't imagine anybody being brave enough to face either of them other than these two. So I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing a match between them, hopefully, but also sort of afraid of it because one of the only things that seems to keep both of their respective matches from sort of going immediately into the realm of extreme and um, unforgiving, unthinking violence is the fact that there is another human being in the ring who who has the ability to think clearly and, and be rational. So if you put these two in the ring together, I, don't, I think we lose that. I, I don't know what happens in that match. I know I don't want to ref it kind of like the end of the universe, isn't it? You've got these two supermassive black holes coming at each other. One is uh, seemingly in Duke Wellington, a budding threat, a budding psychotic, if you will, coming up against someone who is an established psychopath. And uh, yeah, Frankie, with you, I'm with you. I don't know what happens. I really don't. Um, It's it's fascinating to watch from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, these these floors aren't quite what they what they were. They could could use a spot treatment here. Uh, that looks like that's all we we have for for the for the day. Um, it was a great episode, a great showing of Monday Night Ignite. I think we all enjoyed most of it. Frankie, could you uh, could you take us out? Sure, I can take us out. I, uh, if you guys like what you heard, if you could give us a like and subscribe and maybe leave us a review, that really helps us out. And you can find us on all your social media platforms at legit www. And uh, we're looking forward to next week already. Is that the catchphrase? Next week already? Come on, Frankie. I think you can do better than that. That's the catchphrase. Yeah, I think. I I don't. I got nothing. It's a motherfucking podcast.